In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a desire to love our neighbors and a concern for the most vulnerable among us and to relieve the burden on the healthcare workers of our community, we have chosen to continue suspending in-person worship for the time being to stop the spread of this awful virus that's ravaging our state, our city, our nation, and our world. But nonetheless, we come to you in this third Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of joy. Uh, normally, when we, when we have an Advent wreath, we would light the pink candle as the joy candle, because joy is, is kind of a different thing. It's a different idea that we talk about than the, than the rest of Advent. Um, and that's what we're going to be exploring and praying through and reading scripture through today is the idea of joy. What does joy mean and how do we live this out as God's people in the world? We know that our world is broken. We know that our world is imperfect but we also know that we are to be God's people, uh, pointing people to uh, God's bright future when Christ returns. And how do we point people in joy to that future? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to worship together this morning. Wherever you are, whether you are listening on a Sunday morning or you're listening to this later, whether you are at home with um, <clears throat> with a spouse or, or someone you love, uh, or whether you are driving to work, whether you're uh, out for a walk, we come together through the Holy Spirit. We are united through the Holy Spirit. And though we long to be reunited physically in worship, we also know that right now, for the sake of each other, we stay where we are. Just a few things to let you know about. Um, if you are listening to this today on the 13th of December, uh, 2020, before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, you are invited to our Zoom cookie exchange. This is one of the things that we do every year that, that usually we would gather in the church gym for, but this year we are doing it as part of our Zoom coffee hour. So get some cookies. Um, you know, even if you have to go, you know, grab a, a bag of Oreos out of the pantry, um, you can do that. It's okay. Nobody's going to judge you. But at 1130 Pacific time on the 13th of December, 2020, we are gathering on Zoom for a cookie exchange. If you would like the address to join that Zoom, you can send an email to baptist.church at comcast.net. And we would be happy to invite you to our cookie exchange. This Wednesday, December the 16th, we will be putting up our, uh, what we usually call a prayer for our country. This week, this month, uh, we're going to call it a prayer for our city. And we're going to be praying specifically for our friends and neighbors here in Oregon City. Uh, so that will come up in the normal Wherever you are listening to this podcast, it will be available there, and we'll, we'll post the link on our church Facebook page uh, that you can find it there as well. But it will be a prayer for Oregon City, and then in January, we'll be back to having our second Sunday of the month prayer for our country. One last thing to call your attention to, next Sunday, December the 20th, 
at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, we'll be having curbside communion at the church. Um, Melissa and Jim and I will be in protective gear with our, our masks on and, and our gloves on, and we will be serving the Lord's table in sealed, wrapped little containers. And, and the, the, the crackers and the grape juice and the little sealed containers are not that great. So if you want to bring your own uh, bread and juice and, and keep that in your car, that's, that's fine. You can do that. Um, but we will have some there if you need it. But we'll be serving the Lord's Supper uh, at, the, at the curb of the 19th Street side of our church building. And for more information about that, you can, 9th Street, I said 19th and I meant 9th. Uh, <laughs> uh, on the 9th Street side of our church building, and there will be more, email, more information in your Friday email uh, that comes out, that came out this past Friday and is coming out uh, this coming Friday. As we're in this season of Advent, we are looking forward to the fullness of the presence of our Lord in our world. And if there's a way that, uh, that we can reach out to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, don't hesitate to contact the church. Our website is onebaptistchurch.org, and you can find the email address and the phone number for the church on there. Please reach out to us if there's any way that we can love and care for you in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads in prayer. This third week of Advent, let us remember that the good news of Jesus' birth has the power to bring us great joy this Christmas season. Our joy isn't dependent on what is going on in our life, in our world, or the people that we are with. It doesn't depend on the gifts we give or the gifts we find under the tree. No earthly thing can ever give us complete joy. Our joy comes from you. That joy that flooded the hearts of the shepherds, the angels, the wise men, the hosts of heaven, and Mary and Joseph is the joy that still has the power to overwhelm our hearts with rejoicing. Father, you offer that same joy to us now if we know you and recognize Jesus as our Savior and Lord. You gave us a reason to celebrate when you gave us the unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ. You came to dwell among us. You went to Calvary's cross for us. You overcame death and rose from the dead from us, for us. You forgive our sins and give us eternal life when we believe in you. Our joy doesn't come from our jobs, our family, our relationships, our finances, or our success. Our joy doesn't come from what we have on earth or who we are with. Our joy is a gift. It is the gift that you gave us that first Christmas in Jesus Christ. Our joy is encompassed in our Savior, King Jesus. Flood our hearts with joy this Advent season as we reflect on the good news of Jesus' birth. As we reflect on the joy of Jesus' coming as a babe, we remember those whom this Christmas season may not be very joyous. Those members who are sick, we think of John Millicent who spent a day in the hospital 
for a medical condition, but he is now home. We pray for his healing, and we ask that you give John and Marilyn peace and comfort during this time. We are continuing to lift Stacy, Sherry, and Richard Secor and the Camerons up to you. Continue to show your love to them as they deal with Stacy's illness. Be with those, Lord, who are continuing to recover from COVID-19 virus. We know you are the healer, and we thank you for what you have done in the lives of these people and others who may need a touch from you. You will continue to do your will in each life. I pray for those who may experience loneliness during this time of the year. Put your loving arms around them so they know that you are with them. Help us to give a word of encouragement to those who may need it. I thank you for all the prayers you have answered. May our hearts be tuned to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the work that our church has done during this time of uncertainty. I thank you for our HOPE program that we are able to feed those who are hungry. Be with each member of our congregation and our young church. Uh, we thank you for the pastoral staff as they minister to us and the young people. Be with our pastor as he brings us a message on joy. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit be upon him. And may the podcast be a blessing to all that hear it. May our hearts be joyous for the one who came. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Flowing well.
Hear the word of the Lord. Always be joyful. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will, will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. The Holy Spirit produces this fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident help through the power of the Holy Spirit. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Now that I was, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie barren, though flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Sing for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. The Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Restore our fortunes, Lords, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. I know how to live almost on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Be joyful. Grow to maturity 
encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory. 
Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And I would hazard a guess that it's been a while since you've turned to the book of Zephaniah, unless you were in the one meeting earlier this week where I asked everybody to turn to the book of Zephaniah. <laughs> um, so it is in the Old Testament. Clearly, you might have guessed with a name like Zephaniah, and it is sandwiched between the prophets Habakkuk and Haggai. It is known as one of the minor prophets or one of the 12 prophets, and it is called a minor prophet not because Zephaniah is any less important, but because it is not as lengthy uh, or verbose as Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel. Um, or even Daniel. Daniel's kind of kind of an in-betweener. Um, but Zephaniah has something to say to us this morning, and so we'll be looking at chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. At last, your troubles will be over and you will never again fear disaster. On that day, the announcement to Jerusalem will be, cheer up, Zion, don't be afraid. For the Lord is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I said, Zephaniah is probably not a prophet that we're very familiar with. And I think before this week, I had known about the scripture that I just read but I couldn't have told you anything more about Zephaniah, not the content of the book, not the, the man himself. So I started researching. I started doing a little digging. The name Zephaniah means Yahweh has hidden. Um, anytime you come across a, a name that ends with I-A-H, it, it is going to involve uh, Yahweh, the name of God. And it means, Zephaniah means Yahweh has hidden or Yahweh has treasured, but most, most accurately is Yahweh has hidden. We learn in the first verse of the book that he is the great-great-grandson of Hezekiah. Now, we can't be 100% for sure that this is King Hezekiah um, that Isaiah prophesied to, but scholars are reasonably certain that it is because this is the longest lineage that is given for any of the prophets. Uh, it goes back all the way, like I said, to Hezekiah. It gives four ancestors for the prophet Zephaniah. So he is part of the lineage of the royal line, but obviously not in line to be king. Because when Zephaniah was born, there was a king named Manasseh. And Manasseh was not one of the, the good kings of Israel. He did a lot of evil. 
And he did a lot of things to lead God's people astray. Zephaniah's cousin Josiah did end up on the throne starting at the age of eight. He was the youngest recorded king in the Old Testament. And yes, Zephaniah would have been Josiah's cousin. When Zephaniah started prophesying, there hadn't been a prophetic voice in the land for a very long time. Uh, God's people had not heard uh, the word of the word of God uh, for quite some time. And so when Zephaniah shows up, the people were glad, some of them, to hear the word of the Lord again. It would have been refreshing to know that God still cared. God still had a fresh word for his people. Unfortunately, Zephaniah didn't have great things to say. The people had become idolatrous. Manasseh had introduced the worship of foreign gods, the worship of stars, uh, had brought in all sorts of false religions from uh, the Assyrians, mostly, whom he was loyal to. And people had strayed away from, from worshiping Yahweh. They had become wealthy. They had become subservient to the Assyrians. And their care for the poor had greatly diminished. They were more interested in maintaining their wealth, maintaining their power, and maintaining their prestige in the world. They thought that if they could go ahead and take care of themselves, that, that they could just kind of keep worshiping Yahweh and, and doing whatever they wanted to, and they, they would just have the favor of Yahweh. They, they gave a wink and a nod to true worship, but yet they didn't care for their neighbor. They didn't really care for Yahweh. Otherwise, they would have known to worship Yahweh and Yahweh alone. And so Zephaniah predicts a coming destruction, a coming day when the idolatry of the people would be, uh, would be judged and that they would be punished for, uh, for straying from God. And there's so much more that I could say about that, but I don't want to get bogged down there because I want to get to this passage at the end. And it does. It comes right at the end of a three-chapter book from Zephaniah. And in this third chapter, Zephaniah says there's a time that's coming that will bring peace, that will bring protection, that will bring great joy. And it is a time when God, when Yahweh will live among his people and he will be king over them and he will delight in the people. He will delight in those people who remain and who have remained loyal to Yahweh and Yahweh alone. And he says that Yahweh will rejoice over them with joyful songs. And as we think about this, this Sunday of Advent, the, the Sunday of joy, joy is a difficult thing to talk about in our world, uh, and especially in the church, because I don't know that we, we 100% have a, a great idea of what joy is. And when we, when we use phrases like, 
when we sing songs like joyful, joyful, we adore thee, um, or when we talk about joy in in the terms of the the coming Christmas season, it's usually just kind of a bright, cheerful feeling. But I don't know that when I was growing up in the church, and maybe this was just me, maybe uh, maybe I missed something that I should have should have picked up on. But what joy was was never quite explained, and how to live out joy was never quite explained. What I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to stop for a few minutes and consider what joy is. What is joy? And how do we as followers of Jesus live this joy out, not just in our own individual lives, but as God's people? A good kind of starting point is the idea that joy is happiness, exuberance, or contentment in how things will be in the future despite any of our current conditions. Joy is not rooted in the here and the now. Um, You may say that that happiness is, is kind of this excitement that's rooted in the here and now. You know, if somebody brings me a taco, I'm very happy because I really like tacos. And I think this is well-documented, my, my love of tacos. But eventually I'm going to finish that taco and I might wish that there were more tacos. I won't be as happy as when I first had the taco. When we talk about joy, joy has to be something more. As you heard in the creative scripture reading, The joy of the Lord is is my strength. Uh, Paul says in Philippians, writing from prison, that he has learned to be joyful in all circumstances. Um, He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, he says, always be joyful. And, And I think... Gosh, that's that's such a burden. If joy is is just happiness, then joy is a tremendous burden because it's really difficult to be happy all the time. There's an old camp song that we used to sing. I'm inside, outside, upside, downside, happy all the time. When Jesus Christ came in and cleansed my heart from sin, I'm inside, outside, upside, downside, happy all the time. And it's a nice song to sing and it's fun because it's a little bit of a tongue twister, especially when you sing it at a, a great speed and a big group. But it's difficult to live out, isn't it? It's really difficult to live out this idea of being happy all the time. So joy can't be happiness. It can't just be happiness. There are times that we are very deeply happy and we might describe those as being joyful but we can't chase happiness all the time because if we're after happiness, that most of the time leads us away from from worshiping God because then we're chasing happiness and we're not chasing Jesus. Joy can't just be exuberance. It can't just be a really energetic excitement 
because that goes away too. I can't be excited for that long. I mean, I get excited a lot of, about a lot of stuff. Uh, my mouth watered a little bit earlier when I mentioned tacos. Uh, and so I can get excited about things easily. And, and I'm sure everybody who, who is hearing me knows that, that they, there are things that they get excited about as well. But that excitement fades and we go about our, our day and, and we're not excited all the time. And there might be somebody who's, who's saying, well, John, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of a pretty happy person. I'm just uh, kind of a pretty joyful person. And I, I don't want to bring anybody down. But at the same time, let me say that if we also are not realizing the pains of the world and the hurts of the world, and if we're not engaging with the struggles of the world, even if we're not personally invested in them, if we're not engaging with the struggles of the world and sitting and, and realizing that there are people who are without, there are people who are deprived of food, who are deprived of meaningful work, who are deprived of homes, who are deprived of justice by the systems that exist in our world that we would call sin, if we don't ever engage with that, then we're living very superficial lives and we're not loving our neighbor as followers of Jesus. Joy has to go deeper than happiness or excitement or exuberance, but it doesn't exclude those things. Joy includes excitement, happiness, exuberance, contentment, However you want to say it, joy includes those things, but it's not exclusively those things. And when we root our joy in something temporal, at some point that joy is going to run out. What we've been talking about in Advent is that we are preparing for the arrival of Christ at Christmas. We're preparing to read the old familiar passages about Mary and Joseph going and, and being refused entry to an inn. There's no place they can go. So they end up in a manger and Jesus is born and the angels proclaim it not to kings, not to powerful people, not to the rich, but to shepherds in the fields we're getting ready to welcome Jesus into our hearts, into our world. And at the same time, we're also preparing our world for when Jesus comes, not as a baby, but comes in power and in glory to establish his eternal kingdom on earth, to transform and renew God's good creation, to defeat death once and for all, and to resurrect the dead who are in Christ. And when we root our joy in this, in this idea of Christ's return, we have joy that lasts longer than just a few minutes. We have joy that lasts longer than it takes to eat a taco. 
when we root our joy in this coming of Christ, our joy takes on an eternal character. It's this joy that allows people who are living in oppression and persecution to sing, to make songs, to create art, to continue to bring beauty into the world. It's this joy that allowed Paul, who was hungry and in prison, they didn't provide food. The, pris the Roman prisons were very inhumane. And if you didn't have people who would bring you food, you starved. And that's not okay, no matter what you've done. And so Paul says that his joy is not rooted in whether he's in prison and had a, or out of prison or has had no food or has a full belly. His joy is rooted in knowing that Christ is returning and that we are doing what we can to build for that day now. Paul and Silas were in prison and they were singing songs. Why? Because they knew that their circumstances were greater, were, were not greater than the future that, that Christ had for them. Not just in this world, but in the next. Joy enables people who are under terrible, dire circumstances to have happiness, to be joyful. As we, as we sit or, or drive or where, wherever we are as we're hearing this, we are most likely not under any kind of persecution. We have it very, very easy as followers of Jesus in the United States. And yet, there are people who struggle with joy. And I struggle with joy because I live in a privileged position in our country. I don't have to worry about whether I'm going to have food on my table or not. I don't have to worry about if my rent is going to be paid month to month. I don't have to worry about whether my car is going to start if there's enough gas in it. Because I'm, I'm blessed to be able to get by, but that doesn't mean that I can look at that blessing and take it for granted. But at the same time, when, when everything is more or less provided for me, and maybe you feel this way too, sometimes the highs don't seem that, that high and sometimes the lows don't seem that low and sometimes things just seem kind of middling a lot. And it's difficult to wrap our heads around the idea of joy. On the other hand, there are some of us who, who struggle when the gray skies close in here in the Pacific Northwest. There are people who struggle with long stretches of rainy days and especially this time of year as uh, 
uh, as the hours of daylight get lower and lower and you add on to that gray skies and rain, it gets difficult. There are people whose, whose mental chemistry is just not built to allow them to be happy easily. And when we look at both of those situations, we have to realize that joy is not something temporal. Joy is eternal. The root of our joy has to be in God's eternal kingdom coming through Christ. We know what, Isaiah, or what Zephaniah didn't know. And what Zephaniah didn't know is that God was going to do this. God was going to show up among his people as Jesus. That God was going to fulfill this and bring joy to his people and rejoice over his people. Now, this, didn't, this rejoicing did not happen until... Uh, as much until the death and resurrection of our Lord, when God created a new people out of Jesus. But when we think about joy and what joy looks for, like for us as followers of Jesus and how we live out joy as followers of Jesus, I think we have to keep a couple of things in mind. First is we have to be honest with ourselves about the state that the world is in. And if we try to say that everything is okay and, and that there's nothing that's wrong, then that's problematic because then we, as I said earlier, we never see the suffering of the world. And if we don't ever see opportunities for goodness in this life, then we're denying the fact that God made a good world. And while it's broken, it's still fundamentally good. That there's goodness in humanity because the image of God is in humanity. There's goodness in humanity because there's godness in humanity. That there are trees and rivers and forests and deserts and oceans and canyons and, and beautiful places in our world. And if you, if you live in Oregon City, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, I think you're a bit more uh, fortunate than other people because you can look out your window and see it. When I go to get the mail at my apartment complex and I'm walking across the parking lot, all I have to do is look up and I'm surrounded by Douglas firs. So we can't swing to either extreme, but we have to be realistic about what's going on in the world. And we have to realize that there are people who are suffering and we might be suffering too. In this year of COVID, this year of wildfires, We've been through a lot here in Oregon City and the surrounding areas. It's not been easy and, and it's not gonna get any easier for a while. We rejoice that there is a vaccine on the way, but we also know that, that it's gonna be a while before 
Uh, it's widely available. And so we know we have to be honest about the condition that the world is in. And we have to be focused not on allowing the condition of the world to define us, but by allowing our lives to be and our hope to be found in the return of Christ so that our joy can be found in the return of Christ. How do we do this? We do this through prayer. We do this by asking God to put our focus not on the present world, but in the world to come. To have our joy, ask the Holy Spirit to root our joy in the return of Christ, in the age to come, and not in the things of this world. Because knowing that our joy is rooted in the world to come means that we're interested in bringing joy into this world now as it will be then. And I think together as God's people, we live in such a way that we see people who are joyless. We see people who are oppressed. We see people who have had their their rights taken away from them, people who have been pushed to the margins of our society. We look at them and we see them. And we bring the joy of the Lord to them. We sit with them in their agony. We sit with them in their oppression but we also realize that if there's a way that we can bring joy through the relief of oppression, that this is what we do in the name of Jesus. When there are people who are experiencing joylessness because there's something chemically in their body chemistry going on in their mind that it does not allow them reprieve from anxiety, from worry, from depression. We don't tell them to cheer up. We don't tell them, oh, just, just put your hope in the Lord. That's not bad advice, but we don't get to say it so easily. We have to bring the joy of the Lord into their lives, understand what they're going through, and by understanding them, by sitting with them, extend the hope of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. This knowing that someday we will see Jesus face to face, that all of this will be transformed. And that the things we do in Jesus's name now will last, including bringing joy, including bringing this contentment, this happiness that's rooted in this coming kingdom. We bring it to people who are experiencing joylessness now. This isn't easy work to do. There's a lot of things in this world that are broken and troubled. 
But when Christ is present, both now and in the age to come, we find ourselves in the presence of joy. We find ourselves in the presence of knowing that God delights in us, that God loves us, and God cares for us. And that someday these troubles will be a distant speck in the rearview mirror of time. And we can be happy and content knowing that we will be face to face with Jesus. go to the Lord in prayer. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. We thank you for joining us for worship this morning. We thank you that you have united with us through the power of the Holy Spirit to hear God's word proclaimed, to hear it read, to hear it sung, to sing together, to pray together as one people united by the Holy Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know this is a difficult time for a lot of people. We know that uh, this time of year, when we have lost people and things through the course of the year, 
um, we become more keenly aware of it. And if that is causing you difficulty with having joy, and if there's, if you need somebody who would be willing to listen, if you need somebody who, who you could just talk to, uh, if you need somebody who can pray for you, or if there's a need of yours that we can meet, please get in touch with us. As I said, our website is one, the number numeral one, one Baptist church org. And if you, uh, there's a thing there where you can send us an email or our email address is there. Uh, our phone number is there. We would be happy to pray with you, listen to you, um, and minister to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in song this morning. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for the prelude, which was Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham for leading the, the First Baptist Church readers in our creative scripture reading this morning. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.